Today's episode is brought to you exclusively by the good folks at Blue Note Therapeutics. Blue Note creates digital therapeutics to help cancer patients cope with the emotional distress of our disease. Check out their premier product, COVID Cancer Care, at covidcancercare.com, and we'll keep you posted on more programs that they're going to be releasing soon. Welcome to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. I'm Trevor Maxwell. I'm a stage four colon cancer survivor, and I've got a message for other men. You don't have to go through this alone. What does it mean to man up to cancer? It means reaching out instead of isolating. It means having the courage to accept help along the way. To me, manning up isn't just about being tough. It's about knowing that we're stronger and smarter as a pack than we are as lone wolves. Hey everybody, welcome to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. I'm very excited because I have one of my good friends here with me today. He is from Buffalo, upstate New York. Michael, really welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Trevor. It's great to be here. I know we've talked about it before and now it's uh, the, the day has finally come. Absolutely. I'm psyched to see you. I got So the short introduction, Michael is a, he's a young buck in our Man Up to Cancer group. Uh, what are you, 31, 32? Uh, 32 currently. Okay. All right. When's your birthday? October 9th. October 9th. All yep. right. That's my mom's birthday. Oh, perfect. And so, you'll remember it then. Yeah, exactly. So you're going to be 33 coming up. Correct. Um, so young buck compared to me, I'm, I'm, you know, I guess I'm a medium buck. I'm 44. <laughs> um, but Michael is a stage four colorectal cancer, badass survivor. He came on my radar screen through Facebook, of course, because I meet all, all my cancer friends on Facebook. And somehow, I think it was through Colontown or, or one of the other groups, I saw his name and I clicked on his profile and I see this picture of this guy. He's got like this red lumberjack beard, tattoos all over the place, sitting in his hot tub. And I think he's just had like, you know, full fox chemo or something. <laughs> and he's just lounging and he has this big smile on his face. And the smile that I remember was like, come on cancer bring it <laughs> and i was like this is a guy who needs to be in man up to cancer <laughs> yeah it uh it definitely sounds like me and it was colon town I'm, I'm pretty sure it was colon town yes yeah so shout out to colon town one of our awesome online communities for us crc folks yeah so so i'm like okay this guy is is he's he's here to play man this guy's not messing around he comes in like a ball of fire and i reach out and i was like hey check out man up to cancer you know we'd love to have you join the group and and you came in and like, I think right away, it was a great match. Um, you just, you connected right away with some of the guys in the group and you have come in as such a force in terms of providing support for other guys and hopefully also, you know, receiving it on your end, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Tenfold. I mean, it's, it, it pretty much has gone both ways the whole time. If I've ever needed something, I can always reach out either through posting on the group or like you said, we get connections with some of the guys personally. There's, there's lots of guys that I message with every couple of days just to talk to. So uh, it really goes both ways as far as giving support and receiving that support when I need it. Absolutely. And so you have come on and really are one of the, you're one of the mainstays now in the group. And, 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 you know, I'm just thankful for that because you are awesome and providing so much to so many people. And, and there may come a time when there's 
th- that changes. But for right now, man, you're rocking the group. And and I will tell the people listening that Michael is uh, he's one of our admins. Uh, we have an awesome admin group, Joe Bullock, which of course you all know Joe. Um, you know, is the lead admin, and then we have others, uh, including Michael. Who, uh, so Michael, really, you've come on strong, my friend. Thank you for doing what you do. Absolutely, I, I appreciate it. I, and like you said, it, the the fit the fit felt right from the beginning, and I was actually hoping to kind of be able to establish more of a connection with the group and the guys, and be able to. Um, take kind of more of a leadership role and step up and do more things like I have been able to. Yes. And it really, it really helps. It helps me in my own journey. And I know it helps others. And obviously that helping others is what helps me most. Absolutely, man. And, and, and you've done all this while going through, we're going to get to, we're going to yeah. get to your cancer journey. <laughs> believe me, we'll go through the cliffs notes, but, um, but you've done all this while going through some pretty serious treatment for stage four colorectal cancer. And, um, so yeah, so well, and before we get into the your cancer, we're gonna start where it all began with your diagnosis. But is it? Are you actually like a city? Are you from Buffalo? Or remind me where you grew up. So I'm in currently. I live in South Wales. Is the name of the town, which is about a half hour south of the city of Buffalo. But it's it's pretty pretty rural. It's out in the woods. We live on ten acres. It's mostly wooded. Um, pretty much where I grew up. And, and where I went to school was even a little more south of here. And it was all, it's all far, farm country and out, out in the open. So I, I say Buffalo just because yeah. that's what everyone, that's what everyone knows. If I said the little towns, no one would know what the hell I'm talking about. So, <laughs> so I do, I do need to ask you, what's it been like to grow up with the new England Patriots winning the division every year and usually the <laughs> Super Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> well, I I'll comment on it, that it's it's nice that you guys are finally not winning that anymore. Oh. We we finally we finally are able to uh, slowly claim a little bit of a throne and uh, and get yep. you guys off the state uh, off the stage. I know it's really depressing. It's like what is going yep. on here? I'm, it's in bizarro world. Like Patriots is going to probably be a borderline playoff team, and the Bills are like. The bills are stacked, man. This oh, is yeah. It's going to be a fun year to watch football for you guys. It, obviously, it's just preseason, but the, the first two preseason games have been really, really good, too, already. Do you get together with friends and hang out and watch games and stuff like that? Uh, we do sometimes. I haven't, obviously, quite as much recently with everything yeah. going on, but we did get out for three or four of the games last year. Um, that flight service I use, they, they actually have a bar as well. And we, we've meet up there a lot and, uh, we, we watch the game there on the big TV. So I know you're not, and I know you're not a huge sports guy, but, but so let's talk to, I want to introduce people to a little bit about who you are. Um, hardworking guy work is very important to you. Tell the folks listening what you do. Well, I, uh, I load up new vehicles and deliver them to, dealerships all over near, uh, western and central new york state pretty much the big the big car haulers you see driving down the highway that are stacked two or three cars <laughs> high uh so I, I pretty much work i don't know i'm, I'm probably at about 60 hours a week right now or so if give or take depending on the workload and everything how long have you been driving truck uh 10 years actually this year is 10 years i've been driving truck so most of your adult life you've been doing what you do Oh yeah. I started hauling cars, I think four years ago, which I, that I just fell right into that. It was perfect for me. Um, but 
Uh, I started hauling cars about four years ago, and yeah, I've been driving truck for about ten years. And and also tell us about your um, relationship. Relationship with, with my Sarah. wife, you yep. mean? Oh, oh yeah. So oh man, we've been together. Uh, she'll <laughs> she'll kill me when she listens, and, and I got to think of how long. But it's got to be like twelve years we've been together. And we've been married. This was a, this year was our four year marriage anniversary. But we've been together pretty much the same as driving my my entire adult life as well as her. I think she was eighteen and I was twenty one when we first started dating. So uh, it's been it's been pretty much our entire life, and that's pretty much all we've known. And even when we were still just dating, it was basically like we were married, just because you know we've been we were together for so long, and we moved in well before we got uh, married and everything. So. So you're living proof that marrying women named Sarah is always a good decision. Absolutely. <laughs> although, although my, my Sarah has no H and yours probably has an H. She does. Oh, okay. But that's so, okay. Right. They've that, got more in common. Just, as long as it's got the same pronunciation, that's fine. <laughs> so June of 2020, you are 31 years old. You, you, you have a job that you love. You're, you're married. You're, everything's clicking on all cylinders. Tell us about your diagnosis. So I had, I had had, I was having blood in my stool for years, Mm. but you know, I was only 31. I really wasn't experiencing many other issues. Uh, Since I drive truck, I drive a lot of miles. I I thought hemorrhoids or something else that wasn't a very big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So I never really pursued it because it, it would only come on, uh, sporadically, it wouldn't be consistent and it wouldn't be, uh, you know, big amounts. So it never really crossed my mind too much. Uh, and then finally it was like the winter of, uh, 19 in the beginning of two, uh, 2020, where I started getting some, uh, abdominal cramping that was pretty persistent. You know, it was difficult to drive without being uncomfortable. It was difficult to say, it was really difficult to do anything without being uncomfortable or in some sort of pain. And I finally got off my ass and got to the doctor uh, and went to a GI specialist. And they finally got around to getting me in for a colonoscopy, which I believe was scheduled for March, right at right at the beginning of COVID. So of course, oh man, right right at the beginning, about a week before my colonoscopy was supposed to be, I got a call that it was canceled because all the elective surgeries were off the, off the table. So now I'm he's sitting here dealing with this pain still, still wondering what the hell is going on in my body and, and what I need to do and how long I'm going to have to wait now to get this colonoscopy. Um, and everybody's and, assume, then, and everyone looks at you and just assumes like, oh, you're fine, right? I yeah, mean, yeah, the, yeah, young guy, no, it's probably something simple. And, and even in my mind, I was still kind of cancer was never on my radar, even even Googling stuff. You know, I would Google my symptoms. I it may have popped up in the Google search and maybe I just didn't see it. But it, it honestly never it never once popped into my into my mind. Otherwise, if it had it had it have, I probably would have been a little more uh, expedient with <laughs> getting this stuff done. Uh, but so finally, I think I got in for the colonoscopy. It, it was must've been like the be- right at the beginning of June is when I got it. Well, actually I went for CT scans first, like 
three days before the colonoscopy. So the GI surgeon, the, the, the guy, uh, you know, doing the, the procedure for the, the colonoscopy, he called me about two days after on the phone and said, you know, we found a mass in your colon and also on your liver as well. And he, he didn't tell me it was cancer. Like he didn't say for sure, but he basically said he's pretty sure it is, but he can't be certain without, you know, without a biopsy on the colonoscopy. Right. But thankfully that was only like, it was within the next week. So we already had that, you know, mashed up and, and ready to go. So I was kind of prepared for the colonoscopy already knowing that something is going to be there. A lot of guys, they wake up from the colonoscopy to find that information out. So it was kind of nice, you know, air quotes. It was kind of nice <laughs> to be able to not have to have that shock waking up from a colonoscopy, then finding out about the cancer. Yeah. Um, so we got the colonoscopy. I got the colonoscopy. Uh, <laughs> and that was, I, I want to say it was like June first or third or so it was it was right at the beginning of june and obviously then 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 they called me back with the biopsy results and said it was adenocarcinoma of the colon which is stage four with the liver metastases and for um, those who um you know those who are maybe know about other cancers um colorectal cancer when it does metastasize tends to go to the the liver and then the lungs um, those are the two places that it, it tends to go first so then of course we're in Buffalo. So they set us up with uh, Roswell, which is right in downtown. And I think we got in there. It was June 19th was my, so that was June 19th was my actual diagnosis date. Even though I knew I had cancer before then June 19th was the first date that we actually got in to see an oncologist and actually find some information and, kind of get a gauge on what was going on other than the words you have cancer, you know, it's at that point, I still didn't know what to do with it. Oh. So we finally got in June 19th and we, we were not prepared at all for what, what they told us. We even, even with Googling and even, even with doing a little bit of research, we still were not prepared at all. So they, my prognosis was basically what, what a lot of us here inoperable, incurable and chemo for life inoperable so, incurable chemo for life yeah that that is absolutely what so many uh, so many of us in this space ha have heard and especially for you younger guys because and and you'll we'll get into this as well but i, I feel like the medical establishment is is so ill prepared to deal with a 30 year old with stage 4 yeah. colon cancer and like and and to try to chart out a path for you that's that is not incurable, <laughs> but can get you to cure. So, anyways, we're gonna get there. But so so basically, you had a meeting that was pretty devastating. Oh yeah, it was. It like I said, it it went completely opposite than what than what Sarah or I had expected. It was obviously devastating at 31 years. Old. Like I I didn't even know what to say. Obviously, <laughs> Sarah she kind of took initiative and was able to gain some, some sort of composure and talk to the oncologist. Uh, I think the social worker came in, one of the nurse practitioners came in, you know, at, at separate times. I don't really remember saying much just cause what, yeah, what, I mean, the, what the hell are you supposed to say? 31 years old and you're basically hearing, hey, you, you know, your life's over, pretty much start yep. wrapping things up. Yeah. It's uh, I think 
he basically they basically said that chemo would fail within the first year and that basically after then I mean, if chemo's not working, obviously it's not good. So I, I, I don't want to say they, they told me I die in a year, but yeah, it, it was, it wasn't good. The writing was on the wall. Correct. And, and so the, I mean, man, coming at this from multiple perspectives. So there's like the emotional blow of this, like whole, you're a young couple, just start basically just starting with your whole lives ahead of you. And then there's the, the logistical blow, which is like, where do I go from here? How, how do I even begin learning about this or coping with this? Like, what do you, what do you do? So you're like processing so much. It's so overwhelming, man. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was pretty treacherous. That's for sure. <sighs> Talk about a little bit about the emotional part and how you guys, uh, I mean, I'm sure you turned to one another. I mean, that's what Sarah and I did for sure. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, that's really, we are, are each other's first line of, emotional yeah. support. Um, we've also got tremendous support outside with friends and family and stuff too. But obviously her and I together, we've been able to really team up and effectively, you know, battle this from, from the inside as far as Love it. the health and medical standpoint goes, but as far as that standpoint goes, but also, you know, from, from the emotional standpoint and, and continuing to try to live our lives with somewhat normalcy and, and, you know, work and see friends and do all that other stuff. It was, it, it was very difficult, but we surprisingly got picked up on how to do it pretty well, pretty early on. Yeah, absolutely. And so many emotions are just running through your mind after that meeting. I imagine. I, I think I was kind of just in, not not not, yeah. de- not denial, but like survival mode. Like, just what do I need to do, or what do we need to do to get to the next step? To just just to get to the next step, because obviously they just told us this information that was very bad. So I'm just trying to figure out how to get to the next day the best the best way I can without falling apart. And and I remember a similar situation. So the thing is, is that when you're in the medical field, these people are dealing with this all the time, all day, every day. And then, so they kind of, it's not that they don't lose sight of it, but you got to understand that like, this is all brand new. Like we didn't hardly know what the hell our colon yeah. was before <laughs> this. Like it's all brand new information. So, so every bit of it is new and you're trying to digest it. And it's so much. Yeah. It's, even even just a little over a year out right now, it's it's still a constant learning process with with new terms and new words and new treatments. And there's always there's always something new coming out or always something new to learn that that if you don't stay on top of it, it really can kind of work against your new treatment. If you don't understand what's going on with your doctors, with your body, with your treatment, with the drugs, with the chemo, with, with everything, really. I mean, it's it's a lot to do. It's a big undertaking, but doing that will help set you up for a better, a better outcome. I mean, to put it, to put totally. it, frankly, you, you have to, you have to step up and be able to kind of do some of this stuff on your own and not, not rely on the doctors for every piece of information that's out there. So, right. So which takes us to, I imagine you just had to regroup, you know, regroup, come together and then figure out, okay, what are we going to do here and how are yeah. we going to, how are we going to learn about this and how are we going to move forward? 
what was it that, um, talk about that process about moving forward and figuring out what, what to do. I mean, honestly, the, first of all, we, we had to go see my parents, which was terrible. You know, where we saw her parents first and then my parents, that's where we went from directly from the hospital to kind of oh. give them the blow, which obviously that was, that was probably the worst part of everything was, was having to tell your parents that, um, but then after we got through that, came home and really the first thing we did was jump online and, and start research. And I, I know a lot of people say, stay off of Google, don't, don't, don't do any research, but I, I, I'm opposite of that. I say, look at it all. You're going to run into shitty situations and bad news no matter what you do when you're dealing with this. So the best way to arm yourself is to get this information. So we went online and, and Googled stuff right away. We started looking for new facilities, looking for support groups, looking for any sort of information we could find that would say, hey, you know, you might not die in a year. There's stuff out there that can help you. There's other people you can talk to. There's other things you can do. So that's basically I, what we did right I'm, off the bat the same day. And I'm totally in the same boat as you. So. I'm a huge advocate for self-education and for patient-to-patient education. Huge, huge, yep. huge. The thing is, when you hear people say, don't go to Dr. Google, like, yeah, you. of course, you're not just going to jump on Google and just blindly accept, like, every article, everything you see there. Like, you've got to do it in a smart fashion. You have to know, yep. you have to know what, what you can trust. And if you're doing it with a teammate, like, like you and Sarah were doing it, that's even better because then you can talk about, well, look at where this information's from and maybe it leads you somewhere else. But absolutely, you have to empower yourself. So it's a fine line between not just going blindly to Dr. Google, but also knowing that you do have to dive in. And when oh, you yeah. guys dove in, you got connected pretty soon to the folks in Colentown. Oh yeah, that was, I, I think it was within a day or two. I think it was on a weekend. I think it was on a Saturday or Friday or Saturday. It was a Friday, I had my appointment. So we signed up on a Saturday and we were in, you know, by Monday probably. And the the wealth of information on there and stories and hope and everything was a, a godsend to, to too, us man. looking yeah, for too. trying to trying to grasp onto anything we possibly can. And there's so many different avenues on Colon Town to give us information that it, it's it, it really changed it really changed the whole perspective. Um, of treatment, even, even a day, even a day or two out, you know, we, we, we started finding people that said, Hey, I was told the same thing. And here I am. I did this. I did that. I went to this place. You know, it, it, it really opened up the door very, very quickly, which made the emotional stress a lot easier because it, it, it changed, like I said, it changed the outlook within just a couple of days from really bad to just kind of bad. Exactly. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. I had the same thing with Colin Town. So, so as just a quick primer for those who are getting to know the lay of the land here, Colin Town is basically a collection of groups. They call them neighborhoods on Facebook. They're private, um, but it's it is built by and run by colorectal cancer patients and people impacted by colorectal cancer. So, the people who run these neighborhoods and who provide this information have all been there, done that, and you can you can be part of. Any, all these different groups that apply to your specific situation um, it is really a fantastic resource. And it's a great example. <clears throat> excuse me. It's a great example of that patient to patient knowledge that is so critical to finding out what is out there 
for options, for treatment. Um, because once again, our local cancer centers, they are swamped. They are overwhelmed. The people who work there, they're just busy trying to treat their patients. They don't have the time to go out there and do that next level research at the top of the field. But you can get that top of the field information by accessing this knowledge with, from other patients. And you guys did that. And actually, I don't know if I don't know if you knew, but in, I, I just did the the empowered patient leader program through Colon Town, also, which I think was uh, just a couple weeks ago. So yes. that'll kind of that kind of <clears throat> put me up to a little bit of the next level to try to kind of help out on there as well. The same as I'm doing with the Men After Cancer, which is a huge uh, boost to my own confidence and my own uh, give back to what was given to me when I had my very you know big time of need. Absolutely. So let's, I'm going to skip over a ton of your journey here because I, I have a lot other topics I want to get to, but yep. the big picture is you went from a, a pretty dark place and feeling like you didn't have any options and you ended up with a, a team and a plan to get you through to the place. And you're going to catch us up on this to the place where you, you currently are the holy grail of, of us cancer patients is Ned, no evidence of disease. That's where you are right now because you found a team and a plan that could get you there. Correct. If I didn't, if I didn't advocate for myself and do my own research and be proactive about my own care, I, I wouldn't be in the same shoes. I don't know where I'd be, but I certainly wouldn't be in the same shoes as I am right now. And what are the steps that, so you, and, and again, we're going to gloss this into like a minute of like, yeah. of, of all the stuff that you've gone through, but walk us just through the major steps of getting you the care that you've gotten to now. So I started off with those first, so like actual treatment, you mean? Yep. yep. So started off with that, that first six rounds of full Fox Invectivix at, uh, here in Buffalo, and then got my second opinion and transferred my care to Memorial Sloan Kettering in New York City, where they operated on me right away uh, after I was told inoperable. Yeah. So I had a colon resection and an HAI pump, which gives my liver um, chemotherapy directly to my liver. I had that implanted along with my colon resection. Then I had, <laughs> I think, seven more rounds of chemo and four rounds of um, chemo through the HAI pump, which brought me to my first liver resection, which was February 16th of this year. Then I had two more rounds of systemic chemo and two more rounds of the HAI pump chemo, which brought me to my second liver resection, which was May 26th of this year, which is when I technically became NED. So this is a series of strategic chemo and surgery and the HAI pump to get you where you are today. Correct. Um, and I chuckle because we are boiling down these monumental, like <laughs> going through this, yeah, the chemo, it's a, these more, it's, it's a little more involved than, uh, than me spewing it out in, in 90 seconds. Oh man. I, cause I laugh because we've both been there and it is, it is grueling. It is hard. Nothing about this is easy physically or mentally. And so we're boiling it down here because we have a lot of other fun stuff we want to get to besides the treatment piece. But the point is you have taken the bull by the freaking horns. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and so here's your soapbox. So talk about second opinions, third opinions, whatever opinions you need, talk about the importance of that for anybody listening. 
I, I mean, it's with my situation, it's pretty, I, I mean, I'll go over, but I mean, it's, it's almost self-explanatory, but <laughs> it, it just, it highlights it so much that it, it would almost be, it's foolish not to get a second opinion. Even if, even if you like what your doctor says, even if you like where you're at, it's, it's always, always, always important to get a second or if you need a third, fourth, fifth opinion. I mean, you, you keep searching. I think kind of the rule of thumb, what, what we found was if you find two that are with each other, then you kind of got, you know, a good plan of if these two people agree, then this is probably the direction I should go. Or if they disagree, then go get your third opinion and see how those all three together correlate. Bam, exactly. Um, so we, I, we did get two second opinions and those both correlated with each other. So we just went with MSK cause it was, uh, had a little more notoriety than the other place. Uh, but yeah, second opinions. I mean, it literally, it literally saved my life. My, my favorite stat is, uh, I know we don't like to put statistics on <laughs> stuff because that's what the doctors tell us, but they told me that I could be dead within a year and that I would never be off a of chemo and never have a surgery. And it was 341 days from the day I was told that to the day I had three surgeries and with NED. So that's, that's my favorite stat is 341 days. Fantastic, man. That is you have done so much in such a compact period of time. It really is. It really is amazing. Um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm very, get, very fortunate with how, with how expedient my whole process has been. I mean, there's people that have been going for years and years to do this same exact process that I just kind of seemed to, everything just fell into line perfectly, which it was amazing. I mean, obviously I can't complain, but it's it's just it's wild how how well it worked out for for how bad the situation was. I think and I think your story just speaks um, so strongly of this idea that a lot of men in particular <clears throat> go to they go to their local oncologist they hear one thing and they think well that's the thing that's what I'm going to hear anywhere else. Yep. There's the assumption that if one oncologist or one surgeon says one thing then that's what they're going to hear anywhere else and as you and i know it's simply not the case and it, that's what i that's what i thought at the beginning too i thought cancer was cancer i thought chemo was chemo i didn't know that there was all of this different stuff out there i thought it was just like a one-shot deal totally. and, and until until i started doing my own research and, and my own advocacy to, to really find out that there's so much more out there me too absolutely that's what i thought as well and and to, then once you start getting these differing opinions and sometimes these doctors have huge differences in approach and opinion. And you're like, wow, this really is um, individualized and, and very, you're going to just hear different things from different teams. So, and it's not like you're out there looking for a team to tell you what you want to hear. What you want is there to be, like you said, some type of consensus. So I love the idea of like, that's what Sarah and I always try to do too, is try to get three opinions. Cause then yeah. at least you have triangulation of the damn thing. Yep, exactly. <laughs> We want to thank Blue Note Therapeutics for sponsoring today's podcast. Man Up to Cancer only partners with companies that offer real solutions for our community. Blue Note's goal is to make digital therapeutics available to every cancer patient from diagnosis and treatment to survivorship. Digital therapeutics treat conditions like anxiety and depression related to cancer using evidence-based software. These therapies address the emotional distress that many of us face, and they're accessible anytime, anywhere on your computer or mobile device. 
please check out Blue Note's premier product, COVID Cancer Care, at covidcancercare.com. Big shout out to Jeff, Laura, and the rest of the Blue Note team. We are so grateful for your support. So awesome. So let's move on to some other stuff. I was really lucky to meet you. You came up to spend some time in Maine. Um, this was, and I wasn't feeling my best. I was feeling pr- pretty green coming off the chemo pump, but, um, but we spent some great time together. And I was, even though I was feeling not my best, I was really fortunate that you came up and spent some time with us, got to meet our family. We also got to have lunch with Charlie Reed. Shout out to Charlie, uh, another member of the Wolfpack family. Um, so thank you for, for making time for that. Um, I, oh, so let's talk about opening up. So opening up about cancer and, and through that, you've had to open up about your, or you have, you haven't had to, you've made the choice to open up about the emotional side of it. Some of the fears, some of the darker feelings, etc. Have, has that been new for you or have you always been able to open up in that way? Or did cancer kind of steer you in that direction? No, cancer definitely helped steer me in that direction. And man up to cancer, the group in itself has also helped mostly steer me in that direction to feel more comfortable talking about what I feel or what I'm experiencing, you know, rather than to the whole Facebook world where first of all, people wouldn't understand anyway, but it's it, the cancer and man up to cancer in itself, it made it, it did make it a lot easier to really kind of get more in tune with my emotions and, and allow myself to feel more things and express them. And, and like you said, talk about them and get be real about it. Yeah. That's, that's half the time. That's the best therapy is just being able to express it to someone else instead of keeping it all bottled up inside of you. I hope that you feel that on balance, that's been a positive <laughs> development. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. <laughs> Sometimes it can feel hard to, to do that, but yeah, no. Oh yeah. No, definitely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So what's that been like? So seeing like as the group developed and more people joined, I guess I was a little bit taken aback by how many people were willing to just keep it, just be super real and put it all out there and be honest because let's be honest, let's be honest on social media. That's not exactly <laughs> what you usually get. You usually get a filtered version of life or cancer, but I think there is something about the group that brings out that that realness of people being willing to say, Hey, this is what it is for me. Yeah. It's not, it's not watered down. It's not fake. It's not, nothing's covered up. I mean, we really delve into those real deep feelings of what we're actually going through. Are you getting good feedback from, from others in the group about, about how important it, or, or, you know, that you've had the impact by putting your story out there and being honest about what you're going through are you getting good feedback about how that's helping others? Yes. Yeah. I have received messages from a lot of people in the group and from outside the group because I've been very open outside of the group, just on Facebook and with other events as well. Because right. it just, I mean, I'm more, I definitely talk more in the group than, than outside of the group, but I still share my journey outside of the group. And I've, I've received endless feedback of, of positivity and inspiration and stuff. Even people without cancer, just, just regular people going through life that needed a boost of uh, good news or the yep. perseverance of life and, and dealing with things and, and, and whatnot. That's awesome. And, and you raise a good point because you're active um, 
and you've been getting active locally and also on a national level as a patient advocate and someone out there talking about the issues we face. You're active with Colentown. You're active with uh, there in Buffalo with, I think with some, some groups and you've been doing some, had a chance to do some speaking. Yeah. 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 They, uh, I think it was two weeks ago. One of the flight services that flies me out to New York uh, they had me on stage at one of their uh, annual barbecues, and I kind of got to say a little bit about myself and my journey, and of course, cried a little bit and had to regain some of my composure. But that I think that was actually my first real, like, public speaking yeah. type thing. But it was uh, it, it was cool. It was, That's it's, great, man. It feels good to 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 spread the awareness and, and everything. It it really it makes it a little more worthwhile for all the bullshit that we have to put up with. Uh, right. Absolutely. And and you're, I mean, you're a role model, man. So when I started Man After Cancer and I started the group, I was actually, I just imagining this whole group of men changing the way that men cope with a cancer diagnosis. The old way was to just totally be on your own. And the new way is that you, you can have a community and not only can you have a community, but you need to have a community. If you don't, oh, yeah you're really harming yourself. So, so you are one of those guys that I was hoping for. And, and then the real life version is way more awesome, (laughs) (laughs) but thank you, man. That's awesome. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about, um, a couple people, number one, your dad. So your dad is also a cancer survivor. Talk a little bit about what it's been like going through this journey with him. Uh, it's been, it's been great. I mean, well, as great as it can be, uh, but he had stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma back in, in 2000. And he was, he was basically knocking at death's door also. Uh, but wow. he had, he had this miraculous recovery just, just, just as I did. And it's, it, I think I remember my sister posting one time that like right at my diagnosis that my, my dad faced it and now, and now it's my turn to do, to do the same thing. Obviously it was a different cancer and, and, but it's the same, still the same deal. And now it was my turn to kind of step up and really do what I need to do to face this. And like you said, grab the bull by the horns and just get through it. And I mean, it's, it's a lot easier said than done, obviously to just say, you know, grab the bull by the horns and get through it. But (laughs) that's pretty much what you'd, that's the mentality. That's at least the mentality you got to have. It's Absolutely. not always going to be like that every day. It's not always going to be butterflies and roses, but <laughs> you have to have that mindset of just like the KFG. Like we always say, you just got to, just got to keep going. Yeah, you have to, that's essential. Um, and, and, of, and of course, Sarah has been such a rock for you. Um, I know, you know, with my wife, man, ups and downs, so emotional for sure with the cancer journey, but I'm just so fortunate to have, her support through this. Cause, and I'm realized that a lot of men don't have that like core other person that's there with them at every step. You have a person who's there, who, who's been there with you every at every single, step of the yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. It, it would be, I don't know how I would have done it. It, it, it like, I'm even trying to, I'm even trying to think about it. I can't even put into words what, what I would have done. I mean, I, it just, it, you really can't, like you said, you can't really explain it. You just, we don't know what we would have done because they just as your Sarah has mine is also, she's just completely taking control. And especially at the beginning, phone calls, appointments, calling other people, just everything 
like everything. I didn't want to do shit. You know, I, I was just told this news. I didn't, I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to talk to my friends. I didn't want to talk to my parents. I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to just curl up in a ball and just not do anything. So she, from the get go, she's been uh, there every step of the way. Love it. Um, also the importance of routines and work. Um, that's been very clear and something that you have really demonstrated in the group and outside of the group is, is how important that is. And I, I feel, and that, that idea that, you know, you don't have to, even when you're facing stage four cancer, you don't have to lose everything. You don't have to lose everything about who you were. Now I will say this, you know, for some people who aren't able to, to do the work that they did, like that's very tough, but, but, but oftentimes you can find something, so it might not have to be the work you were doing before, but maybe you find something else or something different where you, it's all about finding something for your time that gives you purpose. And for yep. you, a big part of that has been getting back to your normal work routine with driving and, and giving you that purpose of feeling like you're doing your job. And that's something that I know is important to you. Can you talk a little bit about how that's kept you motivated and going through this whole thing? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've always loved my job and my career. And that was one of the first, that was one of the first things that popped into my mind was of course, you know, Sarah and my family and friends and stuff. But then I thought, what the hell am I going to do about work? You know, I don't know what's going to happen with chemo, with surgeries, with literally the rest of my life. I don't know what's going to happen. What's, how am I going to work? Because I put a lot of pride and and dedication into my, Mm -hmm. into my job. So Fortunately, I didn't really suffer too many really hefty chemo side effects. So I really was able to work just about almost full time throughout all of my chemo. But I was also fortunate that my my boss was great with everything and, and I can I can make my own schedule. So that really helped me just basically I for the whole winter and the last year, I basically just had chemo or worked, had chemo worked, had chemo. And that's basically how it went. And then a couple of surgeries scattered in there, but I did have to take off. I, I think I took off about a month after each, after each surgery, but then I was, I was back at it. I mean, I, the first one was a little nerve wracking because it was my first surgery ever in my life. And here it was this major abdominal surgery, but then the, the second, and then the second and third, they were a little easier because I kind of knew what to expect and uh, what to feel with my body and what to do and what not to do. Yeah. But work, it, it just, like you said, the, the feeling of having a purpose and having a task at hand and just getting up and doing something. Doing your job. I, mean, I, yeah. I can't, I can't sit around at home very long without getting antsy or getting fidgety and having to do something either in the garage or in the yard or, you know, I, I need to be doing something and, and it, and it's always been work for me. So that was, like I said, that was my biggest fear, but it was also my, one of my biggest godsends was, was being able to continue working and kind of maintain a somewhat normal life and keep me from going crazy. I love it, man. <laughs> so this has gone super fast. Like we are, you're not going to escape the gauntlet of random questions. That's coming for you. Don't, don't worry, but we're almost yeah. there. So yeah, the, this time has just flown. It's been great to talk to you. I have to ask you about your beard because I have serious beard envy. <clears throat> I, a lot of the guys in the group have these just tremendous beards. Mike, Michael's one of them. Um, I am, I I just lack that skill, but anyways, so when's the last time you were clean shaven? I was probably like 19. 
So it's no probably way. like, oh yeah, it was, it's been like, there's a couple of times I've done like the mustache and stuff and I've, you know, shaved around the sides, but completely fully shaven face. It's been probably 12 or 13 years at least. So I don't even know what I look. I don't even know what yeah, I that... look like with a shaven face. I probably look like a. I usually just say I probably look like a baby or something. So that's why I don't even. I don't even touch it. Usually, this is the shortest I'll go. I, I think five, like five, six, seven years ago, I had it down to like halfway down my chest. I had it like a foot long, like as long as Jason Randall's oh, or even wow. longer. So at, at one point, I had it very long as well. So. I think you need to get back into that because you've got like this Viking beard. The thing is like impenetrable. It is like, <laughs> it is like the, the, like everything is like its own individual needle that I think will pierce armor. Um, so, so if you let that go like way down, like, yeah, we could have a beard off. I think we need to have we a beard off. We definitely could. We definitely could. <laughs> All right, my man, it's time. The gauntlet of random questions is here All for right. you. Are you prepared? I think I am. All right, here we go. I'm giving you some easy ones, some softballs. All right. All right. If Michael really had to wear one Halloween costume every day for the rest of his life, what would we see him in? Uh, you know, one year I went as uh, Duffman from The Simpsons. And I, I think it was my favorite because I had the belt. I had the belt of beers. So, so it was easy all night. I had the beers right on my belt. So I think if I had to do one costume my whole life, it would be Duff Man. The Duff beer. The Duff beer. I love it. That's awesome. You're winning. All right. I know you're a big camping fan. What is your favorite non-essential piece of camping gear? Like you can't, you know, no sleeping bag, no tent, the non-essential stuff. What do you have to have when you go? Just one thing. Yep. I mean, I guess I'd have to say my like a, like a pocket knife for my Leatherman. You got you got to have some sort of some sort of tool to be able to do. You to can't do anything wilderness. if you don't have the tools. Yeah, <laughs> you got you got to have something. All right, deal. Uh, what is there a place in the U.S. that you would most like to visit that you've never been to before? Probably Alaska. We've been out west a couple of times and done like Colorado. We've been out to California and done the redwoods and all that stuff. But we haven't been to Alaska yet, and I think that would be that would probably be the next place we would go, and the one that I would pick. If I if I up and left right now, it would be Alaska. What actor would play you in a movie about your life? Do you ever get like the oh, you look like that guy? Someone the other day commented. <laughs> this was literally just a couple of days ago. Um, I don't remember his name, but he's the guy that plays uh, Captain uh, Captain America. What, what's his name? Oh Chris? yeah, totally. I can see that. Uh, I forget his last name, Chris, but uh, yeah, he, cause he's got the same kind of facial hair. I've yep. gotten, I've gotten John Krasinski before. Yep. I've got, those are the two big ones. It's John Krasinski, John Krasinski. And then I, uh, then Chris, and I don't remember his last name, but, I know. He, I'm, but I'm Captain a, America guy. my Avengers friends are going to kill me, but I can't yep. remember either. But <laughs> you, um, yeah, I was, t- I actually was thinking both those. I was thinking John Krasinski, but now that you mentioned Captain America, you fit right in yep. there too. So, Hey, you know what? Those are pretty two, Good looking dudes to choose from. Oh yeah, so can't I can't I can't com- I can't <laughs> complain about that at all. All right, last one. We are not getting into the pizza debate here, folks. <laughs> I know you're waiting for it. We're not going there. If you could only choose one weapon to use during the zombie apocalypse, Oof. what's Michael really gonna be wielding? Probably have to be a flamethrower. You know what? It's a classic and it's always a winner on this show. And it's effect it's it's, it's effective. classic and and it's Proven. effective. Proven yep. effective against zombies. Yeah, exactly. Michael, really, 
you are a force of nature. I am so thankful to be your friend. I, uh, I love you, buddy. Thanks for coming on the show. Likewise. Love you too. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. If you want to get behind our mission, you can connect with us, subscribe to our email list, and check out our other content at manuptocancer.com. And if you know a man struggling with the isolation that cancer can bring, let him know about us. The Wolfpack doors are always open. Big thanks again to Blue Note Therapeutics for sponsoring today's podcast. Blue Note creates digital therapeutics to help cancer patients cope with the emotional distress of our disease. Check out their premier product, COVID Cancer Care, at covidcancercare.com.